Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the U.S. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and today I'm joined by Pat Rigsby. Pat, how you doing? Doing great. Excited to be here. Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to have you. Pat is a uh, the consummate fitness professional. Uh, he definitely puts the professional in fitness professional, and I wanted to have him on today because uh, one thing I'm just amazed at, Pat, is you are building a system around fitness rather than just trying to get one-on-one clients and work yourself to the bone uh, or you've built a f- system for folks who want to work with people and not letting them work themselves to the bone. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, let's dive right in. Where are you calling us from or where are you calling in from? I am in Louisville, Kentucky. So uh, here in, uh, I guess, the heart of the country and hanging out and Looking forward to a little bit of sun coming our way soon. Nice. Is this the home of the slugger? Man, it is. And being a lifelong baseball guy, I feel like uh, I'm in the right spot. It's funny, though, because I've always heard it as Louisville slugger, and you say Louisville. Like, it doesn't have a we. So, I've, I've lived here for 11 years, and uh, it took me at least five or six to figure that out. But, yes, <laughs> there's a bit of a guttural sound there, too. Yeah, that's funny. Well, uh, so Pat, how long have you been in the fitness industry? Um, you know, in some way, shape, or form, I guess 27 years. I got my first certification when I was 20, and as of today, 47, fast approaching 48. Um, I was a college baseball coach, college strength coach, taught in the sports studies department as well at a university mm-hmm. for kind of the first leg of my professional life. Um, and trained a few people on the side, uh, got into the more entrepreneurial side of fitness, uh, right in the early two thousands and, you know, owned a couple of facilities. It just kind of spiraled into a bunch of things. I owned a couple yeah. franchise organizations where cumulatively had about 275 locations, uh, you know, education companies, certification mm-hmm. companies, equipment companies, and, uh, around the end of 2014, beginning of 2015, sold the bulk of those um, to just focus on kind of doing more coaching, consulting, and frankly, spending time with my kids. That's awesome. It's funny uh, when you're telling me your story, you were a high school baseball coach, which I'm like, college baseball, sorry, coach. college baseball coach, your college baseball coach, which is not great pay, really long hours, and not a whole lot of recognition. And then you were a college strength coach, which is even less pay, possibly more hours, and even less recognition. And then you became a uh, like an assistant professor, which is again not a lot of pay. <laughs> it's like you, you certainly are willing to work for a little bit of pay and put well, long you, hours. You summed up why I switched. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? That's funny. Well, um, man, this is 
incredible to, to think about all those different aspects of the fitness business you've covered. Uh, can we start with this? It, you know, you work with some clients and, and uh, folks that are listening to this, if they hear kind of hear their song being sung by you, they can uh, hook up with you. Uh, but let me ask you, what are the maybe three most common mistakes you see people make on the front end, specifically those that want to have a fitness brick and mortar business? So not their training in at somebody else's gym. I'm saying they own the, the facility. Maybe it's an extension of their clinic. But what would you say, looking back, are the three biggest mistakes they make? Um, gosh, three. I would say the, the first would be just kind of a, 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 maybe a novice approach to business, not really ever thinking of it like a business or treating it like a business. Most of the people who get into fitness or, or wellness or health get into it because they're very passionate about helping people in service, yeah. but they don't understand the business side of it. So not having any kind of foundational business knowledge. The second mm-hmm. would be um, not having a, a, a way to consistently attract and convert prospects and turn them into clients. So um, you know, that whole build it and hope they come mentality. Uh, and then the third would be, um, not having a way to scale or systemize what they're doing so that the business can grow beyond their own shadow. And so sometimes you kind of create this business that makes you miserable because yeah, you've backed yourself into a corner. You've got um, you, you figured out how to attract some clients, but now you're working morning, noon, and night. You're tethered to the business and kind of feel like the business owns you. Yeah, I, I was talking to another uh, fitness professional and they, they brought up a good point. You know, when you set yourself up for that and work long hours and maybe you haven't set your prices right and a couple things come together. So you, it's very common for folks to fall into, especially with your early morning clients, this kind of resentment of I'm not making that much money. I'm showing up early. You know, I had to cut out, cut short on my sleep and it, and it oozes out of you. And then the thing is like, you need to make more money. So you need to ask for more money, but you can't because you're not being a great trainer. You're kind of being a prick and you know, and, and it's funny how that, that develops. So if we were to break those down, I know that uh, you said taking a novice approach, uh, get the ability to get and convert leads. And then third, uh, it was an inability to scale. Mm-hmm. I want to go in reverse order there because for the po- folks listening, if they're adding on the fitness facility to their clinic, one of the things is that ability to scale happens or becomes pressurous uh, twice as fast because you're trying to run a clinic and then also this fitness thing. And it's like, oh yeah, I can work a couple hours doing the fitness thing. But then when you're out of those couple hours, you got nothing else. And you have this other business that's creating pressure and you know you got your notes to do, you got your treatments to run. So, what are some, some things to, some thoughts for people to have on the front end, you think? You, we don't have to have the solutions, but just think about what the future is going to be like. How can they kind of set themselves up for success? Well, I think going into it with the mentality that the business has to be able to function without you being the technician and providing the service is probably the first place to start. Now, if you're adding this on to, you know, a a clinic, a private practice, something like that, you know, that's probably a mindset that you've already embraced for the most part that you're not going to be the day-to-day trainer. But if we're hiring somebody, we have to set them up to succeed. We have to create 
a situation where, you know, we're, we're bringing the right person in. They're going to align with what our vision is of what we actually want to achieve, Mm -hmm. um, share similar values, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the foundational kind of raw material we're looking for. But, you know, I think one of the mistakes people make is they think, well, if I hire a good person, it'll kind of take care of itself. Culture will be good. Production will be good. Everything will, will work out. But the reality is plenty of great people struggle because they've not been set up to succeed in the environment that they're in. So you need to, you know, create systems, but then you also have to have a way to coach people to execute those systems. Coming from a sports background, you know, I mean, you can't just hand somebody a playbook and say, well, we're not going to practice, but I'll see you on game day. Right. Right. But we, best do game. That, <laughs> we do that in the business world very frequently. We, we hand people a, a certification or we hand people credentials or, or books or videos. Or send them to a weekend course and think they're going to be masters come on Monday. When the reality is they're representing you and your business. So it's in your best interest to make sure that we're coaching them up to execute. So we need to make sure that whoever we bring in, we know what we're asking them to do, how that aligns with our overall goals, and then we're setting them up to actually meet or exceed what our expectations are. So give them the systems, document the things that we need to have you know, to, to operate successfully, but then also coach them consistently to, to meet and exceed those standards. So if you were to set a minimum number of practices a week, whether it's, it sounds like it could be baseball, hell, it could be business, it could be uh, whatever. In the business world, if somebody's not making the minimum amount of training time, what would you, uh, what do you think that number is? Is it one hour a week with the whole team training? Is it two, three? I mean, I've seen some people say three to four a week, which man, that feels like it crushes your revenue generating. But then the flip side is that the hours you are generating revenue, maybe you can make up for it easily. What have you seen? Well, I, you know, I think there are kind of two, two phases, right? The onboarding phase where we're probably going to have to do two, three, four, five hours a week at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the ongoing phase, you know, 60 to 90, 90 minutes a week is probably fine if we've got things in place to hold people accountable as well. So this is like your high school team where maybe half the team has not played a whole lot of baseball versus your, your club travel team that already knows the gig. We're good. I've run this a thousand times with you. We just need to kind of polish this diamond a little bit before we present it. Yeah. And, and I think that we, we assume that when somebody comes in the front door the first time, right, this new person, they, this is entire, it, the way we operate is entirely new to them. Yeah. And, you know, we're not trying to bring somebody else in here to kind of reinvent our culture or whatever else. We want them to come and adopt what we do. If they can enhance it, great, but we need them to, at minimum, adopt what we do. So we have to start them from square one and we have to groom them and make sure that they're doing things our way to, to deliver the service that we promised. And so it takes a little bit more. It takes kind of an intensive approach early on. But then after that, it's just course correction. It's refining. And, you know, and, and I think that 
the stuff that, you know, that, that we continually reinforce the stuff that we can expect. Okay. Awesome. Now that leads me to a second part. You have to know what the heck you're training them on. You have to know how you're going to grade them and whatnot, right? Yep. Which means I'm going to guess that's your idea of documenting all this and building the system. So for that person that's out there, again, they're busy in their practice. They want to have a great gym, but darn it. They also have a, a family at home. They, you know, personal interests. Hell, they want to get a couple workouts in a week uh, and maybe, you know, get a time to sit on their couch, watch a little TV and drink a beer. Uh, what, how do you solve that issue? Because I think a lot of, um, in the fitness business, but in every business, people also underestimate their bandwidth as just a human being. Like, hey, Correct. you know, if you're out of energy, you can't serve anybody. So I think there are two different ways to solve this and it kind of depends on where you are on this kind of um, hybrid business journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you have something in place and you're like, look, it's good. We're just, we just don't have the capacity to scale. Then I would tell somebody go document the top 20 things that happen in a, like most commonly the, Mm -hmm you know, the, whether it's setting up for a training session, designing a program, doing an assessment, answering the phone, but just make a list. And then if it's something that you're doing online, like data entry or whatever else, use a screen capture software and document you doing it and narrate it. If it's offline, have somebody pull out their smartphone and video you doing it and narrate while you're doing it. And there's your essentially like franchise manual if yeah. you if you're already doing this stuff well now if you're new to this oh can we pause real quick sure. i just want to go back because i think what you just said is a incredibly simple solution to a complex thing but if it's online take a screen capture narrate the whole time you're doing it so in this world i want everybody to think if you're since most folks listening probably have operated or worked in a clinic mm-hmm. that comes in as a new patient right? And so what you're saying is if I'm entering the information into the electronic medical record, just screen capture that and say, we have this patient, his name is Pat Rigsby. So here you're going to fill out the name, uh, first name, last name, got to make sure you have date of birth. And then, oh, by the way, the system, or so you want to highlight little things like the system organizes by email address. So make sure that that's accurate Yeah, and walk through filling out that first form and what to click and what not to click. And boom, you do it if, this, if it normally takes you three minutes to do it, it's probably going to take you 10 minutes to film it, right? Yeah. But now I can train everybody on how to do an intake with a new patient. But there's a second half of that, which is at least a second half, which is what do you do to the person standing at the front desk? This is how well, to enter, enter him in, right? But I'm going, how do we want the interaction to be like, hey, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to shake his hand. We say, thank you. Then I sit down and say, Pat, I need to get some information from you. Can I, you know, do it? So there's, that all happens at the same time. Go ahead. I, I think that your best approach is to document those two things separately, right? Right. So, yeah. so we're going to video you greeting the patient. Somebody. Because right. that's know, the offline component you're talking about, right? Like, and, and, and don't, yeah. I think what people maybe miss is, A, you know, this is easier much easier because I've written two franchise operations manual. I promise it's way easier, but <laughs> it's also something that people will consume. And I, and 
for all the hundreds of pages I wrote and those operations manual, I'm assuming that very, very few people actually consumed them. You're saying you typed out what would be a novel, but of operational language and technical language. And instead of six pages on how we greet somebody, you're saying pull out your phone, film it for three minutes, and it's probably going to be a better, more used option than the typed format. I, I mean, I have a nine-year-old that can learn all sorts of things on YouTube. Yeah. He would never read an operation <laughs> yeah. learn those same things, right? So, I think when you look at those things, when people are showing you how to build like smoke bombs or like, you know, exploding targets, the words alone, oh yeah, mix the dextrahedro, you know, tannerite with the blah, 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 blah. And people are like, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, it, I show you, you mix this with this and it goes, boom. Oh, that's awesome. Show me more. <laughs> we have to reduce the friction for, for actually learning and getting proficient at this stuff. And sometimes we make it harder than it is. And there's a reason why systems is like a daunting word because people think of these massive manuals instead of just saying, all a system is, is a documented version of what you already do successfully. Mm -hmm. So document it so somebody else can do it. Now, the flip side would be if you're starting from scratch and you don't have something to document because you've not done it successfully, that's when you want to borrow it from somebody else, right? Like find somebody who's already documented it and borrow theirs. I mean, essentially, that's what franchising is. That's what licensing is. That's what businesses in a box essentially are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think that one way or the other, we're kind of arriving at the same destination. We want, uh, I mean, this is essentially GPS for the new employee. Here's the path you follow to get to the destination. Being a successful employee, it helps us reach our goals. You just follow this path and we're going to course correct as needed. And that's what the weekly coaching is. All right. So when you talk about onboarding, let's say that we just are front desk operations because that's going to affect both sides of the house. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Let's say we come up with, and you're going to know, you think there's 30 different separate operations we'd need the offline and online component of? At the front I mean, eventually, right? But probably there are 15 that happen every week. Right. So Just how to take a phone call, how to get a patient in the system, how to take a returning patient. I'm trying to think out loud here. Um, information to collect on the front end, how to get them to fill changing out the waiver. Changing card or, you know, like changing yeah, something or something um, or rescheduling a cancellation or I any of it. those basic things that happen every week. We always so, start with that. So let's say there's 15 of those and total mm -hmm. time is uh, all 15 equal two hours of video, right? Mm -hmm. um, once people have that set up and, and, it, and by the way, those of you listening, this ain't ever going to be done. Like it, it's, it's never perfect and things may change. You know, credit cards, you know, might, you might have the credit card video and then you're like, how do we do, you know, Apple pay or pay from phone and stuff like that. It's like, oh yeah, technology changes. We but anyway, so if there's two hours of videos, uh, let's say we have that person watch it. And then how many times do you think you want them to watch it versus how many times do you do it with them? Right? Like, how do you balance that out? So I would ask somebody to watch something and then say, you're going to demonstrate this to me hmm. at, you know, some defined time period. So like if I tell them on Monday, Hey, Watch these three videos 
And then on Wednesday morning, you're going to demonstrate them to me. So Mm -hmm. they're going to watch them however many times they need to be proficient because they know the test is on Wednesday morning. Okay. And then they're going to demonstrate them. You can help them kind of course correct once you're there because there's going to be way more pressure on them to demonstrate them to the owner than they'll ever feel well having to do something with just a patient or a client or a customer. Yeah. Okay. And so that's going to take a lot of that onboarding time early on, right? That's those additional hours. So we get that done. And then uh, let's say, so your three things were building the system and scaling, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting and converting customers. And then third thing, or the first thing, which we're treating as third was treating it like a business, uh, not taking a novice approach. Let's cover that one real quick. Cause I think that converting folks is kind of, um, where people want to go, but I definitely want to address this because a lot of folks I see get in the fitness business or add fitness because I'm trying to say this as nice as possible. The, the <laughs> true reason behind it is they just like working out. And so they want some equipment in their office, mm-hmm. which is cool. Like I'm not, you know, like, Hey, that's cool but don't drag yourself into the mud of saying that you also have clients. If really all you want to do is be able to swing a kettlebell and press some weight and then go home for the day. Right. So, so what are the signs to you that somebody's uh, in this for not for the business reasons, but just for, do they know their numbers? Okay. That's kind of it in a nutshell, right? Like if they're not, like if they don't, manage their P and L, if they don't have a way to keep score, basically, are we getting new clients? Are we profitable? Um, You know, what's our attrition, all of that stuff. Like if you are not managing this like a business, it's a hobby. And, and that's fine. If it's a hobby that you're, it makes you happier to go to work. But if you're going to say we're doing this because it's essentially a business within the business, then treat it accordingly. And if you're not going to, then you probably have to temper your expectations about how much impact it's going to have on, you know, your, your livelihood, your, your family's long-term security, um, because it's taking some of your resources. So frankly, I'd tell you not to do it at all and just spend your time personally working out if you weren't going to treat it like a business. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it has the potential to incrementally kind of eat away at a practice because it's taking a little bit of your mental bandwidth. I had a person once tell me, if you want to understand compounding interest, uh, you can either invest and feel it work positively for you or waste your time in business with other things and it will compound against you. And you don't realize that you're like, well, I need to clean the gym. Well, why are you cleaning the gym? Well, because we got a lot of people in here. Do you make money off that? No, but you know, they're good people. And so now you're spending two hours a week cleaning the gym and organizing and writing workouts and doing all this stuff. And that time ain't working for you. It's great to have friends in there, but you're not really truly making money. And so it starts eating away, eating away, eating away, like you're saying. So I think that's fantastic. So your basic thing is if you don't establish and know your numbers, it's not a business. That's that's easily like the the telltale symptom. Yeah. Well, hey, it's not a game unless there's a scoreboard up, right? In baseball, like practice, we don't we don't light up the scoreboard, but once the scoreboard's lit, we're we have a game and and we've agreed, like, hey, we're keeping score. You know, yeah. it's a great Fair great uh, delineator there. All right, then finally, let's move on to getting and converting leads. 
I want to highlight and bold the word converting. I think there are so many shysters out there that sell how to get leads, how to get fa- run Facebook ads, do all that. But my God, nobody talks about what to do. Let's say somebody does see your ad and clicks. And I'm like, what do you do now? I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's like, okay. So anyways, what, what, do you, what, what tips do you have there? Well, the first thing is figure out who you're actually trying to serve because it's a competitive market, but you as um, a, a practice or a clinic owner, you, you've got some advantages that the boot camp or CrossFit or whatever down the street doesn't have. I mean, people see you as more of an authoritative figure on health. So you need to figure out who you're trying to serve. You need to figure out what your kind of brand message is going to be. So basically, who do you help? What do you help them achieve? How do you help them achieve it? And if you do that, now we've got kind of this message that we can keep reinforcing in any marketing we do, whether it's trying to move, you know, current patients into kind of an ongoing plan and transition them out of, therapy or treatment or whatever it is into, um, you know, an ongoing fitness plan, Mm -hmm. whether it's trying to go out and reach prospective fitness clients directly, we need to make sure that the market understands how we're different, why we may be better for that respective person. And then if we get the right person, we get the right kind of market message match, conversion gets easier. Now, conversion isn't automatic just because we connected with them. Because if they raise their hand and say, I'm interested, interested and ready are two different points along the journey, right? So they can say, I'm interested. Well, that's when we need to follow up with them. We can follow up with them with email newsletters. We can follow up with them through social media. We can retarget them with ads. We can send them direct mail. We can kind of do any number or any combination of phone calls. Yeah. You know, even letters. And then when they're ready, you've kind of separated yourself from the pack when it comes to why they would choose you because they see you as a trusted authority. They see you um, as somebody who actually has a a proficiency and expertise. Mm -hmm. And then having a defined sales process when somebody comes in, having you know, a consultation that may involve an assessment and then something prescriptive like, okay, you know, I recommend you're going to train two days a week, three days a week, whatever else. Um, Which is great for, I mean, the people listening here, that's no different than the person coming in and saying, I have back pain. You're just listening to the problem, diagnosing it, you're doing some tests, diagnosing it, and then saying, here's what it'll take to fix And I love that, Pat, because so many folks are like nervous about what to provide. And I think if somebody says, I have a hundred pounds to lose, I've used this example a thousand times. I have a hundred pounds to lose in a year because my daughter's getting married next year. You selling them a one time a week membership is not doing them any favors. In fact, it's misleading. You know, you got to tell them, hey, Pat, I realize you want to, you know, lose some weight for your daughter's wedding. We got to buckle down. I I think you're going to need to be you know, meal tracking, we're going to have accountability meetings. We're going to check your body weight every, you know, or body fat every two to four weeks. We're going to do some, look at supplements. I mean, that's a whole lot different than somebody saying, uh, I need a, a eight week prep for arm care for baseball. Yeah. 
So, but people don't diagnose. They think it's just, oh yeah, our three time a week program. And it's like, well, come on, there might be different people walking in your door. Well, the beauty of a health professional adding this on, Mm -hmm. right? Adding a fitness component on is you can approach it differently than the 24 year old trainer who's got a weekend certification. You have a different level of credibility. You've got a different background. And when somebody says, well, why should I choose you? Say, well, you know, I mean, I've spent X number of years studying the human body, studying how we can live longer and live better, how, you know, enjoy a higher quality of life. I've treated over X thousand number of patients to help them go from being in pain to, you know, feeling and moving the way they want to. So, you know, this is what I do. And so I'm giving you this sort of prescriptive suggestion based on that volume of knowledge. And that's something that somebody else doesn't get to do. So I I love that. So you're saying use the advantages you have. Play to your strengths at all times, right? And so odds are, you know, if you're adding on this type of offering, whether it's you know, an adult fitness, it's uh, an athletic type of program, whether it's something geared towards, um, you know, boomers or seniors and still being, um, you know, being active and being vibrant, like you have more credibility. It would be really foolish for you to play by the other rules that the average trainer has to play by. I love it. Can we dive into something real quick? Please. Just for those people listening who are like, yeah, that's great. But I see that, you know, this gym down the street from me is big and it's a big CrossFit gym and it's a bunch of 25 year olds. Mm -hmm. From your experience in the fitness industry, Pat, and you look at the successful businesses you've seen, can you maybe share some different markets that people might not consider that you've seen a successful business built around? For example, you mentioned boomers. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I worked with country club golfers. They've got a ton of money a body that won't cooperate. And if they're retired, they've got a lot of time to schedule during normal business hours. You don't have to wait till them for them to get out of school or get off of work. And I thought that was a perfect market, but we needed to talk about golf and you needed to talk about fixing their body. They were not interested in getting a 400 pound deadlift. They wanted to feel and look golfy. And there, I mean, we could be on here the rest of the time we talk and share different target markets. I just talked with a guy literally earlier today for the first time who trains clients who have MS. Awesome. And that alone, I mean, he's got a healthy, vibrant business that his issue is being able to onboard trainers right now because he has doctors falling over themselves to refer to him because he's the only person who does this in his area. Right. So, I mean, we can dial it down to training that market. I've got a number of clients who work with, um, you know, aging adults or active seniors or whatever you'd like to, to call it. Um, you know, I've got guys that I've worked with for years that work with athletes. Heck, one of the, the franchises I founded was a sports performance franchise that I think bolts on nicely to, um, you know, any sort of health-related business, right? Because... Mm-hmm. As a parent, who am I going to trust more who's caring for my child, right? Somebody who's got a medical background and, you know, has essentially said, okay, I'm taking this pledge to do no harm. Or, 
this guy who just graduated high school and was trying to relive his high school football days. And, you know, so we've got that. Yes, we've got the general fat loss market, but I think that, you know, I mean, if you bring unique talents and assets and experiences to the table, I don't think I would ever try to go after that market and compete head to head with Orange Theory. I would say, okay, I want the people who don't aren't attracted to Orange Theory or the people who've been to Orange Theory and say, that's not for me. I would want the people who value being, going through an assessment, who value some more personalized programming and personalized attention. And frankly, if you go after the 25-year-old market, you're probably going after the, uh, the lowest end market when it comes to disposable income because parents will spend on their kids, I mean, up to about their 20th birthday numbers, right? And then, but beyond that, like the people who are empty nesters have plenty of disposable income, relatively speaking. The people who are, you know, the, the people who are retirees have more time and more disposable income. Like don't, you know, it's that whole kind of red ocean, blue ocean thing. If there's a blue ocean available to you, go there. That's awesome. Uh, what What's a, the MS, I, I love that. I, I talked to a fellow that did a, during the day ran PE classes for homeschooled kids. And I was like, wow, I never considered that market, but man, it's, you have a bunch of kids or parents that really care about their kids and they need physical activity and maybe an hour or two break, <laughs> you know? So they're, they're pay, willing mean, to pay and it's amazing. And you could, you could take, if you wanted to work with young people, I mean, people along the autism or Asperger's spectrum, right. That may mm-hmm. not necessarily gravitate to traditional team sports for physical activity, but this is great for them. Right. Um, you know, if we're talking about people who, um, you know, I, I mean, for me, I would tell you that group training is, and, and I know who my audience is as far as my, my clients, Mm-hmm. But group training is not something that I gravitate to as a customer, right? Like not at all. I want something customized to my individual needs. I want to be able to not have to fit into somebody else's kind of one size fits all plan or schedule. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think plenty of entrepreneurs are wired that way, right? So, so I think you can go after that crowd. You can certainly go after, you know, the the people who might be a little less aesthetically focused, but a little bit more, not necessarily like health as far as alleviating pain, but as far as longevity, the people like at this stage of life being 47, I have a nine-year-old and so I'm very active with him, but I'm a lot less worried about, you know, what I'm going to look like on vacation than I'm worried about like, being able to go be active and enjoy life for the entire time he's growing up into adulthood. Hey, I want to tell you all about Membrant. Membrant, with a D in there like Rembrandt, Membrant is an app platform. Now, this company is the one who built the Clinic Gym Hybrid app. And if you uh, purchase our accelerator program, you will get firsthand knowledge of what they do. But I think this is the next evolution in clinics who want to really give their patients better care, better service, 
while making it more convenient. So what Membrand can do is help you design a custom app for your company. This isn't just like rebranding somebody else's. This is your app that lives on the app store and your patients can download. Now, what's the power of an app? Well, let's just say, for example, that you have a certain protocol that you want your low back pain patients to go for. So let's say you include the McGill Big Three, a little talk about repetitive motions and finding your kind of McKenzie protocol of reducing your, your pain through those repetitive asymptomatic movements. Well, you could tag the patients, meaning that you kind of put them on a list that says you want them to have access to the low back protocols, right? And then you could have another program of videos, articles, exercise descriptions, all that, that only go out to your patients with shoulder pain, right? Or ones that go out to patients with plantar fasciitis. If you can build that program, then what Membrane can help you do is make sure that only the patients that really need the plantar fasciitis exercises get that delivered to their phone. That thing that they're staring at, some estimates say as many as 500 times a day, all right? So check out membrant.com, membrant.com, or send me an email, I can hook you up with those guys and they can put together a fantastic program. I think it's really the future and it's one more way that technology will help you make more money while providing better care and a better business model. So check out membrant.com. What is it that matters to you, you know? Like for me, if, if somebody ran an ad and said, I'll, I'll train you so that your back doesn't hurt when you're wrestling with your boys on your, uh, you know, you're playing WrestleMania on your bed. I'd be like, that's the one I want. Cause the big fear I have after injuring my back is re-injuring it when I'm lifting my kids up. And I love, you know, they're boys. I got two boys. So you have to body slam them at least, you know, one time a week or you're not really a, a dad. <laughs> well, so Back pain is a big thing, right? For people who want to stay active. The other thing too is think about all the people who are deconditioned and either first time exercisers or long time non-exercisers. Mm-hmm. At one point, there were 14,000 curves in the, like, in the market. Curve right? franchises, you're saying? Yeah. And it was geared at the people who wanted no part of going in a health club. Right. Well, there are plenty of those same people who don't want to go into orange theory because they fear being embarrassed, right? Like when somebody says to like the, the thing that fitness professionals hear from people when they talk to them, like, well, I need to get in shape to come see you. Well, mm-hmm. what they really mean is I don't want to come and embarrass myself. I don't want to be the person who can't make it through the warm up. Right. Well, if you provide something for, you know, the, the first time exercise or the person who's very deconditioned and, doesn't want any part of going to a group where they may not, you know, I mean, they're already lacking self-confidence right now. So they don't want to go anywhere they're, where they're going to feel like, man, everybody in here is super fit and I'm going to embarrass myself. I mean, you can serve that person and make a world of difference in the process. Yeah, man. So many gold nuggets here, Pat. Um, you know, you mentioned something and I want to cover it because I, I think you might be the the uh, subject matter expert for those folks listening that maybe did, they do have a clinic and they know that they want to add the fitness component and they really want to just work uh, somebody else's plan. They don't want to have to hack it out of stone. Talk to us a little bit about the franchise model and advantages, disadvantages. You know, if you're already an entrepreneur with your own gig going, meaning your clinic, how can that work or what are some things to avoid uh, I'm asking a ton of questions here, but let's just start, you know, what are the advantages of the franchise model, I guess? So I think franchising, um, 
it is good for somebody who wants kind of a paint by number system. Mm -hmm. They don't want to interject any of their own kind of uh, individuality or personality to it. They just want to follow kind of the, the checklist and they're going to be um, willing to follow the checklist as it's written um, and, and treat this like a full on business because typically you know, franchises require a pretty substantial upfront investment. They require a, um, you know, a minimum, and, and this is rare these days, a five-year commitment, more often it's 10, and, you know, an ongoing royalty, whether it's a, a flat monthly fee um, or a percentage of revenue. So if you prefer that route, franchises, not all, because there, there are tons of franchises, but good franchises are a viable model there. I mean, you know, they're also built on, the franchises are typically built on the premise of being able to work with interchangeable employees, right? They're not requiring an employee to have some incredible degree of proficiency. Yeah, I, I talked to a guy who owns some Cane's Chicken uh, Fingers restaurants, you know, and he said, our biggest business asset is our ability to train 16-year-olds to do anything that anyone needs to do in our business. And I was like, the incredible thing is there's an almost unlimited number of 16 year olds. The problem is they're not, they're not 16 forever. They're going through changes in that three years, you know, are they going off to college? Are they changing jobs or whatever? But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, they may only work in his restaurant for six months and he's like, I'm happy if they make it to eight months. Yeah. They're like, you've got to, in that model, you're built to, to weather turnover and still mm -hmm. thrive. Okay. Um, you know, my, uh, when I moved to my current house, my next door neighbor was one of the original founders of Long John Silvers. Wow. And so some of the stuff he'd tell me kind of along that same line, right? Like it, yeah. it didn't require somebody to have, um, you know, a, a great level of expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, now sometimes that can be, out of the norm for somebody who works in, in the, the medicine kind of side of things, because they're used to working with, you know, people who have had to go through some sort of credentialing in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. right? Um, licensing is similar in some ways to franchising. I mean, somebody's giving you their, their blueprint, if you will, in many cases, the difference being there, there are less things that they can mandate to stay um, true to being a license and not kind of run up against franchise law. So let's just define this a little bit. A franchise, uh, what are some common, you mentioned Orange Theory, what are some common franchises in the world of fitness so people can kind of get a picture versus what are some common licensees that people might have come across? Okay, so franchising, um, Orange Theory, F45, Burn Boot Camp, Fit Body Boot Camp, Planet Fitness, um, you know, those types of places. And if you see kind of a common thread, they're usually group training. So they're mm -hmm. high leverage, lower price, and they don't really require somebody to be like a world-class coach or trainer. Right. Um, they got to be able to count to 10, select good music, and get people excited. And a lot of that, right, is reliant on equipment 
or the program. I mean, F45 essentially pipes in uh, like a video that the the coach just has to almost be like the assistant coach to the video. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like we're down on those people. Like, they play a great role. And if you can get people excited, a lot of times that's what helps them break from zero to fit, like to start getting fit. I, I mean, it is what it is, right? Like you just have to kind of see it for, for, for what it is in the market. Um, high volume, probably high turnover, lower end staff on average. Um, and if you run them well, typically they do pretty well as a business owner Typically, once you get your franchise up and going and you have a couple of them, typically you're making some decent money off those. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's definitely got some upside if you can find a proven model that, that's effective, right? Yeah. So how um, about license or licensing? You know, the most common one is uh, CrossFit. Yeah. So CrossFit's by far the most common. Um, there are you know, the Athletes Acceleration Area Exclusive Licensing Program for uh, the, the youth performance side of stuff. Um, you know, there, there aren't nearly as many because a number of them like Fit Body uh, Boot Camp started out as a license and converted to a franchise. Okay. Um, and then, you know, you've got different people who provide education and maybe not a com comprehensive business model, but like if you wanted to work with aging adults, uh, the functional aging Institute does a pretty good job in empowering you to be able to serve that clientele at a high level. Yeah. By the way, for those, uh, some, there are some funkiness with franchises, uh, that I've had some friends that own them. Uh, you got to, they have to approve your site. They have to approve your location. They got to approve your floor plan and layout. They'll approve your signage. And usually you have to buy the signage from them or their certified vendor. And they want to make sure the, you know, in Planet Fitness that that purple and yellow is the exact purple and yellow that's in Louisville, Kentucky, Las Vegas, Nevada, Omaha, Nebraska. If you're somebody who really gravitates to autonomy franchising can feel very stifling. Right. Um, you know, and trust me, I've founded two of them and been a franchisee of another. And I think they certainly have a wonderful place, but if like you have a, a practice or a clinic that is kind of your brand and your name, uh, it, it's definitely going to be uh, a, a bit of an adjustment. All right. Um, so we, we have franchising licensees, starting your own from scratch, all these things. And they really come down to what you said, those three issues of treating it like a hobby, not getting and converting folks into the front end. So not having a healthy marketing and sales system. And then finally, uh, a lack of systems and, or maybe having systems but not training everybody up to the standards. Right. You have your playbook, but you're expecting everybody to run it with no training and it, that ain't just not going to work. Yeah. All right. It sits on the shelf and collects dust. Yeah. Well, man, Pat, this has been, I mean, I, I don't want to take you too long, but this has been a, so much information. It's been so educational. Uh, even for me, I thought, <laughs> I thought I knew a little bit about a lot, but I know almost nothing about everything now after talking <laughs> with you. So I, I appreciate it. If people want to reach out and they heard something that kind of, they, they definitely want to work with you. Where can they find you? 
Um, my website's patrigsby.com. Uh, Let's spell I've, that last name for him just so that. Yeah. R-I-G-S-B-Y. Um, so patrigsby.com. I've got books you can download there uh, and save the money of paying Amazon. I've got podcasts, hundreds of things that I've written. So uh, a lot of information that maybe can kind of uh, complement some of what we talked about today. Fantastic. And you have worked with some folks you mentioned that have been in the private practice model and added the clinic on. I would say uh, probably 10% of my clients are in the more of the health side and most of them kind of have a hybrid type of model in some way, shape or form. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I mean, I think it's, it's the future. It's just, I, I, mean, I think I, you are 100% on, uh, on target with that. Great. Awesome. Well, Pat, it's been a pleasure. Um, I hope some folks reach out to you because it sounds like you definitely know the ins and outs, but uh, like a good coach, I get the feeling that you'll, that they'll have to work hard but uh, but you'll be there to guide them. Well, yeah, I, I think we can help them work smart and hopefully uh, have a business they, they enjoy even more than the one they have now. Awesome. Well, on behalf of Pat Rigsby, this is Josh Saturday saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot, Pat. My pleasure. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information, just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. That's clinicgymhybrid.com and check us out there.